Hello, everybody. I am Kate, uh, co-founder, editor-in-chief, and, you know, lead of the TV and film section over at But Why Though. Thank you all for joining us today. We are back with another Let's Talk, and this time we're talking Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, like our Moon Knight episode, the first 20 minutes will be spoiler-free, and then we are taking off the gloves and going in. Uh, first, let's start off with our awesome panel of folks. And we're starting at the bottom, uh, which I guess to me, he's like catty corner. I don't know. I don't know how you do directions. Adrian. Yeah. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Uh, writer, contributor at But Why Though? All around Star Wars fan. I'm so excited to talk about all of the great stuff that happened and all the stuff that like wasn't so great. Like I'm ready for like a really good discussion. Awesome. CJ? Hi, I'm CJ. I am also a contributor to But Why Though for film, TV, and comics, and I review the series, and I am really ready to talk about it. Awesome. I am really excited to hear it. Uh, if you want to check out um, CJ's reviews of every single episode, you can head to ButWhyThoughPodcast.com. Uh, and this review will go up on our YouTube channel, uh, which there are commands for that in the chat, uh, and our awesome mod will take care of that. And finally, Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Hello there. Can you introduce yourself? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm Aaron, uh, contributor and writer, uh, now podcaster, I guess it's just announced today, and a YouTube reviewer, uh, and everything else, of, but why though? Awesome. Oh, I'm excited to dive into Kenobi, because it's just so damn awesome. Yeah, I have been... I, so a little as now that we've done intros, we're going to get into a little bit of our expectations for the show, how we came into it, what we wanted from it initially. And uh, somehow your girl made it through six weeks without getting spoiled, uh, binged it all today. And I I was always excited for it. But I was hesitant of it, kind of given some of the highs and the epic highs and lows of the Star Wars Extended Universe on Disney+. Plus. Um, Aaron, what about you? Uh, yeah, I think um, this was one of those ones that once it was announced, I was kind of fearful of it just because it's such a beloved character and Hugh McGregor has like, done such a fantastic interpretation of it. So like... I wanted to have high expectations, and I was just like, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to get my hopes up too much. So, yeah, I was, I was definitely nervous coming into it, and um, seeing what they done with Mandalorian, it gave me a little bit of hope. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely uh, felt better, much better after seeing it. Quite surprised after seeing it. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with where it landed. CJ, what about you? Well. I was looking forward to it because, again, this was probably much the one Star Wars project a lot of folks were clamoring for, myself included. And then, but I also kind of had a twinge of fear because I was excited for Book of Boba Fett and that started off strong and then crashed into the ground. <laughs> but I also think, but, but yeah, I was generally interested to see what McGregor did and how they were going to handle Vader in this series and everything else. So yeah, I was looking forward to it. Mm. Adrian, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think my expectations were pretty high going in just because I think it had a lot of the things to succeed. You know, you have the two du the duo coming back. Um, you have 
a great director in, in Deborah uh, Chow. So like you have all the things and you have a bunch of expanded material to, to base everything off of as well. So you have stories to tell. So I expectations for me are pretty high. And I also think I was a little like high off of like seeing the first two episodes in, in at Star Wars Celebration. So I think that also like led me just to be just riding high almost the entire season, which is which might be why some of the stuff that let me down, let me down a little bit. But, um, you know, I was, my expectations were pretty high and I think for the most part they were met, you know, thematically and all that good stuff. So what, what was the hype like at celebration for those first two episodes? Like just being surrounded by like, oh, so it, many people. It was, it was insane. Like, it's really like, it, I can't even, it, it felt like uh, going to a midnight showing again if that makes sense, you know, because there's really none of those really anymore, like where you have to like stand in line and wait yeah. and like have the hope that you get in and, you know, where you sit and everything like that. It felt like that again. Um, it reminded me of seeing Revenge of the Sith, you know, midnight showing and and that energy and how hyped everybody was and how hyped everyone was when we were leaving. And they did a really good job of like keeping everybody entertained, like they gave out free stuff and everything. So it was like an experience just overall. So. Yeah, I will say I can't imagine watching the return of Ewan McGregor to Star Wars that people have wanted so much. Like, in oh a my full, God. It, in a you, crowd full of people who are in love with this man. And and yeah. Hayden, too. No, very it was Hayden. It was 100% Hayden. Hayden. We were, like, on the floor kind of just walking around doing stuff. And they had a stage specifically for, like, the YouTube live stream where it was kind of like Wild Wild West. Anything could happen on that stage. There wasn't anything posted. And we were just walking around and we hear... Hayden, Greg, Justin, and Ewan McGregor, and then just a crowd of people charge the stage. And Hayden couldn't even talk because of how many cheers he was getting um, whenever he would say a word. And then he ended like his little segment with uh, this is where the fun begins and the place like erupted, like erupted like more than the Ahsoka trailer, like almost. It was, it was crazy. They had a lot amazing. of love. So lots of excitement going into it. And I think they did a knockout job, I think, uh, kind of overall for my expectations personally. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. So we're going to go into our spoiler-free to spoiler-light section of the stream tonight. Uh, so panel, keep it spoiler-free. People in the chat, this is your safe space for now. Um, first off, I want to lead up by talking about the, the main focus of the series, right? So the main focus here is we get to see uh, Obi-Wan between episodes four, or episodes three and four, and he, we get another childhood story, or, or surrogate father finds child must protect child story, <laughs> which Star Wars seems to really like right now. Um, and we essentially get to see Obi-Wan with little Leia um, protecting her from the Empire and where that all goes. We're also introduced with a whole, with a whole bunch of Sith or Inquisitors. Adrian, I'm sure you were excited for that. Uh, the first thing I want to get into is the expanded vision that we have of the Empire in Obi-Wan, in the Obi-Wan series, because I didn't expect that. Um, and Adrian, you're the Sith guy, so I'm going to throw it to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah, it's one of those things that um, I thought it was a great bridging of just not only like the the animated content, but the video game content, too, because there's so many Easter eggs and references to like Jedi Fallen Order and, and things like that spread throughout. But seeing Inquisitors in live action is, is kind of crazy. Um, and my boy Han from Fast and the Furious being one of the brothers. Come on, man. It's, it's, it's everything I want, you know. Uh, their lightsabers are amazing but if you're not familiar they do the spinny thing and then the cartoons they they fly on them um so they they're just cool characters that i think work well in 
everything that we have going on, especially at this time for the Empire, where it's hard to find Jedi unless you have people who can feel what they're feeling. And how about you, CJ? Where you fall on? Where do you fall on the expanded piece of the Empire here? Oh yeah, the, you can tell the Empire is a major threat. I really love the Inquisitors. They've been a great addition throughout Fallen Order and Rebels and uh, Darth Vader by Charles Soule and Giuseppe Camacoli, which expanded the Inquisitoris. So to see them in live action and hunting Jedi is both amazing and terrifying because again. They are lit, their whole job is we hunt and kill Jedi. And that's kind of scary, especially for Jedi who have to hide after Order 66. And they're like, oh, these guys with spinning red lightsabers. But yeah, they were really well done. And I loved how it kind of shows that the Empire is slowly growing. Not to the point where it is a, a new hope, but still it's that ever-present force. And you start to see how it's starting to grind down on not just the Jedi, but the normal people of the galaxy as well. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of showing by telling too, right? Because the Inquisitorius mm-hmm. is huge and all these things. And, and I think if it grabs, you know, Kate's interest, you might not be super familiar with like Rebels. And I think it does a great job because it doesn't need to over-explain what they are or where they came from. They kind of just are and they just let it be what it was, which was great. Yeah, they're like an ever, like they're an ever present evil in a way I don't think we really have gotten a, at least in live action, an understanding of. And they're all extremely intimidating. Like third sister Reva, oh my God. Every line she delivered, like there is a cold, like a coldness, but it's not without emotion. Like it is chilling. And it is intimidating as all hell when she talks. Aaron, what about you? What did you think about the expanded role of the Empire in, in Kenobi? So, same basic feeling. I've absolutely loved it. Because, again, I've, I've read some of the comics, watched the animation, played some of the video games. So, like, I was so excited to see. Because I, one thing for me personally was it's, it's the dynamic between the Inquisitors and Vader because there's such a distaste for the Inquisitors from Vader, like he just doesn't like them. Like, and it, there's, there's a whole backstory there as to why and you know how it goes and it's fantastic. So it was just so nice to see kind of like that inclusion and that expansion into the world as a whole. And, you know, I, I was surprised we got it. Um, and I hope it means we'll get like more things like that. We'll, we'll start to pull on those stories from the comics and things like that. So. But I like that they had a bit of freedom to do with it. Like everyone was kind of like, oh, well, I don't remember this person or this person. So it's kind of nice they had a bit of freedom to do what they want. And, you know, they had a little bit of a, a you know, a loop, like through some people for a loop and a couple of episodes. Yeah. But I, 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 I like that. And by adding new ones too, right? Like, because yeah. you having Inquisitors we know, then also adding Inquisitors that we've never even seen before in comics or, or the, the animated series. So even people like who do have the experience are still getting new stuff with, yeah. with this season. And I think, like, as we kind of move towards the the light side to talk about, like, the light-ish side, the very sad, depressing, spy-ish side, which is where Kenobi is situated within this larger world of uh, Jedi who are on the run, uh, the position he has to take in all of that, and kind of the, the, to be honest, with the Empire as such a threat, there is a lack of hope, um, I found, 
that went very deeply throughout all the episodes for everybody who was resisting the Empire and especially those who um, both had begun to mythologize the Jedi or pretend to be Jedi and also those who were running from it. Um, How did you all feel feel the series handled um, that sense of danger and also showcasing Jedi in a time where Jedi are hunted? Um, Aaron, we can start with you. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's it's an interesting uh, dynamic, isn't it? And I, I think it's highly kind of captured by just Kenobi in general, like Obi-Wan, like he's just so beaten down. And I mean, even when you kind of get introduced early on to his, his plight and what he's working towards, like he just feels like a different person, which I kind of love that contrast, you know, with Vader and Anakin because like, you know, Vader is himself a, a different person. So with, with Obi-Wan, like it's just that that loss of hope. Uh, and I guess, you know, setting this in between three and four, kind of like without that hope kind of felt nice as a foreshadowing to a new hope. Um, so I, I kind of love that. But then there's still that pocket of resistance. There's still those people there who really want to do some good like even the little good they can do they want to do something towards so it it just felt like that light was still kind of shining there and it's it's nice to see but seeing Kenobi broken that that was hard to see it was very hard to see what about you CJ yeah a large part of what the series deals with very well I feel is Obi-Wan's guilt about what happened to Anakin he feels he let Anakin down and you know he's lost the jedi order was a life only life he knew so losing that was a big blow for him and then there's also the fact that he has to he has to look after luke and then get swept up into the everything with leia so and i think through leia and the other characters he meets obi-wan learns that yeah even though the time of the jedi may have passed what they stood for is still worth fighting for. And some folks are doing that. And I really think that is beautiful that he learns to, you know, open up again and, you know, be the Jedi he was, or, you know, be Ben Kenobi, more or less. So that was really well, of course, I think. And for you, Adrian? Yeah, I mean, I think outside of the Kenobi stuff, I think um, Aaron and CJ hit on really well. I mean, this is pre, this is like the Prius rebellion that we can see, you know? Like they're they're using T forty seven still as like cargo things before we see them as the things that take down the ATATs and, and um, Empire Strikes Back. So like this is a very infancy scary time. Like this is probably the best time period they could have done it in. I think personally because you also get these people who aren't watching Rebels who who aren't playing Jedi Fallen Order and kind of seeing the embers of like the rebellion and those things are now finally seeing this is what we were before even Rogue One. So I think it even transitions that part well, because by the end of, you know, we see them on that transition path, just like every, everything else is. So I think in that way, too, it bridges really well, not just the Kenobi story, but just the overall rebellion story adds a lot to it. So do you think it kind of fills in a it fills in a gap of knowledge for um, for folks who only watch live action? Yeah, I think that this might be, I think, the best bridge gap of content I think that we've had for yeah. prequel to original trilogy. I don't know if you guys you guys feel that way, too, but. I mean, Rogue One is great, but Rogue One is like already pretty far in the process, you know, yeah. and jumps right into four. Um, so I don't, and then 
Rebels isn't as accessible as, as other things. So this is, is a really, really good bridge, I believe. No, that, that I kinda, makes I kinda, sense. I was going to say, I kind of hope that this kind of opens people up to say, like, there's a lot of linkage here to other Star Wars things. Like, yeah. it's out there. Like, go go check it out. Like, this is, yeah. like, they're great stories yeah. uh, to be told. You know what I mean? And I, I only want to touch on it lightly here because I want to kind of expand on it once we move into the spoiler section of the show. But one of the things I have always loved about Star Wars, and a lot of it comes from Clone Wars, but it is Kenobi's dynamic with the people around him. Um, because he's a mentor, he's a dad, he's a brother. Like, he is very much someone who, despite knowing what he needs to be as a Jedi, he is moved to connect with people. And I think that watching him here, um, we get the chance to understand, I guess for me the closed offness that he has and that like fear and that like refusal to get involved is because I think he's overcorrecting for the attachments he made with Anakin for the attachments. And so I think it's a lot of taking it out on himself. And one of the things that I really appreciated as somebody who um, pretty much only watches live action and all of the Clone Wars multiple times <laughs> whenever I get a chance to in uh, Bad Batch. And I haven't really gotten too far into Rebels. I know I need to. Don't at me. Um, but it was a really wonderful way to see not only how Kenobi had become even more dynamic in this kind of vulnerable way, but also in how the world had built out and it was almost reacting the same way that he was. And I think that, like, so I 100% agree that it's a really good um, bridging the gap moment. And I think that it is one of my favorite things and that I hate it when Star Wars does stuff where it calls back to stuff that is everywhere else, but it doesn't situate it in the story. Um, and I never felt like that here. Um, I was watching it and I felt like I could feel the entire story moving and I could feel the entire story moving even without prequel or, or, uh, original trilogy knowledge, to be honest, it, it, it worked fairly self-contained. Yeah. How do you all think it worked narratively, Adrian? Yeah, I, I think it does. It fixes a lot of the issues and I, this might be because of it, but I think this fixes, fixes a lot of the issues that we see in solo where, yeah a lot of the Easter eggs for me as someone who just consumes and consumes, consumes the content. I was like, Oh, well he does, he said the thing, he did the thing. Right. But for when and we talked about this on, on our recording way back in the day that, you know, it felt like you had to go do homework to enjoy the show. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you get that here really at all. Um, and because of their, their, the way that they structure it, it's not like, it's not overt. It's not over the top. It's little Easter eggs here and there that could you know, want you to go, oh, Inquisitors, let me go watch Rebels. Oh, uh, I don't know, make, make you just feel different about the prequel trilogy and seeing the relationship uh, between Anakin and, and Obi-Wan through their life, through the flashbacks and through all these things. Um, I think it knocks it out of the park narratively from what I want out of the series to see them have that conflict and to see it not be resolved <laughs> because we know it's not resolved and that's okay. <laughs> So I think it gives you a lot of room to do a lot of cool things. And I think they did all the cool stuff I wanted them to do. Um, that's not to say I don't have like issues here and there with kind of like how things were structured, but I think overall overarching narrative of what the show needed to be, it, I think it nails it a hundred percent. CJ. Yeah. I think you could, uh, you could just, if you've only watched the like live action films, you'd be great with this. And I think it moves like, very very well like i was engaged there's like no drag no slow parts compared to boba fett which spent half the 
Hal Fitz's time being like, here's Boba Fett as a crime lord, and Hal Fitz like, oh, here's Mandalorian season 2.5. <laughs> uh, Obi Kenobi feels like a self contained story, and it moves at a great pace. Things are happening, and there's also, it also builds upon events in three and four. And yeah. yeah. Very well done. Yeah. Very well done. And I really enjoyed how this series was constructed. Aaron? Yeah, I mean, I, I say the same as CJ and Adrian, kind of just to build up on that. It, it was nice to see a truly focused story that like hones in on Obi-Wan and kind of like the plight of, of you know, what he's going through and that, that internal struggle. And it was nice not to feel like it had to lean on another thing. Like, hey, look what Star Wars, here's Mandalorian, like just jamming it in. Like, you know what I mean? It, it truly was like Obi-Wan and everything that was related into this box of a story uh it was nice to see and like cj said kind of like each episode moved at a nice pace like it all felt connected and where it was going as opposed to like sometimes i think with the mandalorian there's this massive chunks of episodes you could take out and you've still got that main you know yeah. through plot um so it's kind of nice to see that kind of like linkage and uh, as far as the narrative itself and how it all connected, yeah. so I, I think it had a good flow to it overall, and yeah. I was I was really pleased with it. And and for me, I think it it definitely stands out as one of the the top uh, Star Wars series to date. Yeah, and to wrap up, kind of this spoiler free review section. Um, if you are watching now, you're probably you're watching it on YouTube live, so you get the awesome spoiler content after this. If you're watching it after, you're listening to us or watching it to us or watching on our YouTube. Uh, so thank you. Uh, but to wrap this part up, I wanted to talk about stuff that could have been done better. Now, for me, very specifically, I think Deborah Chow did an amazing job. Like I want her to get more Star Wars, and I felt like that when she directed Mandalorian. Um, but I would like to personally start a GoFundMe so that we can get her a light set up <laughs> because I couldn't see anything. And also something that was extremely frustrating is her inability to light skin that is darker than a Fenty 310. Um, that was annoying to me because Reva is so uh, like evilly charismatic and beautiful to see on screen that there are some situations where... Obi-Wan looks dope, but Reva's just kind of washed out because she's relying on that natural lighting and it is not doing uh, Moses Ingram the the favor of highlighting her the way that it should. And I think that that is something that you happen, that you see a lot with directors who maybe haven't worked with a lot of people with darker skin tones or are catering to the, I guess, the leads, which would be Little Leia and Obi-Wan, who, who, I mean, they look great in those darker scenes, but you're washing out your other characters of color. The same thing happens to Indra Verma uh, in, in quite a few scenes. And so that was just really frustrating to me, especially as somebody who, like, always has to catch the right light to take a selfie. Um, I That is the one thing I wanted improved uh, visually, but it was still a really striking show. Um, but also, like, don't make me squint to watch my TV, please. Like, I would like to see what's happening. You're put, you put in a lot of work. Um, yeah, and I, I really wonder, like, I would love to see the behind the scenes for this because I want to know, like, how much they filmed in the volume and how much was, like, on-site stuff because I don't think we yeah. had this issue a whole lot in The Mandalorian. No, not at all. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see how, because watching it, like you know, on on the thing projected. I haven't watched it on my phone or on my like on any other screen other than like 
my home projector and then the movie saw it in Star Wars Celebration, but it didn't have that uh, that washed out issue there. So I wonder how much of this went into like, they want, it's, it's weird that they would do this, but why would you do it in a way where it's supposed to be viewed on like a super bright screen yeah. or, or something like that, like in a movie quality type yeah. environment when a lot of people are going to be watching this on their phone or on their laptop. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, I, felt, and it felt like some of it was to specifically highlight that like bright glow of the lightsaber. Yeah. yeah. But when the lightsabers aren't there, it, it's just dark. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Really Episode kind of four, it kind of feels very sickly green. I, I, yeah. I, I get it because it's the whole ocean, but the lighting yeah. kind of felt weird to me. And, and for me, I watched it. So I watched it on my computer, but I watched it on like my 4K, like Lenovo 34 inch right there up to my face. And I was like, I can't see it here. I feel like putting it on my big TV isn't going to be much different. But yeah. I, I agree, Adrian. I do wonder how much of it was thinking the formats in which people would be watching and how it appeared just based on the type of light that was used to, to yeah, stream I saw, it or watch I saw that, it. I saw that as a criticism like of, of the show. And I didn't really see it because when, when I'm thinking of like super dark blacked out, I'm thinking of the Game of Thrones episode where like the whole episode was basically black yeah. and you didn't see anything but like torchlight. So that's what I was expecting. But I can definitely see how those those moments can be washed out because Mogus Ingram is scarily beautiful, amazing, yeah. like um, especially in those first fierce. two episodes. Fierce, fierce, fierce. So it's unfortunate that people didn't get to see her yeah. in like her full beauty if they don't have like the right format to watch it on. Yeah. Um, other gripes that y'all have. Um, we only got a couple minutes left, but anything else or y'all think the series could have improved on? Erin, uh, we can start with you. I, I Very little. I mean, mostly it's the visual. And it's, again, it's tough because I, I like the visual when you see the lightsabers, the, the bright glow and how it highlighted. But And again, especially with like when you see Vader and it like offsets really nicely, but there, there's yeah. plenty of times where you kind of like, squinting to see and there's so much beautiful detail within the set design within everything and yeah. you kind of miss all that um i mean even like when they're in the cave like the cave so dimly lit like you just don't get to see it. and i'm one of those ones i'm looking in the, the background for the, all the other characters and the alien designs and things like that so i, I was a little disappointed there I, I wanted to see a bit more but small gripe yeah cj I would have liked to see more of the supporting cast for folks, people help out, especially O'Shea Jackson Jr. as Rokin and Kamal Nanjani as uh, Haja Estri. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping for a spinoff from them, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because those folks are the making of Rebels. I just don't say it now. And I, I w- yeah. it would have been fun to see these people inspired by Obi-Wan to, you know, continue to help him out and fight back against yeah. the Empire a little more. I want to see more of that dynamics. So I, right. I would also like to shout out Kumail Nanjiani for booking his nerdy dreams. Like that, yeah. it, I'm very proud of that man. Just you, raking you in see, the did Disney you see money. The tweet? Did you see oh. the tweet yes. he put out? With his, what was it? With his cousin or something? His cousin, like that? yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. Love so, it. anyone who doesn't know, like he put out a tweet saying like his cousin had all these like Star Wars action figures and he couldn't afford it. And he's like, well, now in Star Wars. So, how'd you like that? I'm <laughs> Like, yeah, I, I love that kind of pettiness. It's, it's awesome. Amazing. Family pettiness is the best. Adrian, how about you? Um, I think I would have liked some more, you know, Uncle Owen, Aunt Peru stuff. Um, 
there's okay. i mean and if this is getting you interested in wanting more about like how they showed how they're badass at the end like the last episode you know uh, you think you could protect him from me and you know they for the most part they do a pretty good job and they're pretty badass they really do take um a lot of like uncle owen's a really good uncle dad to to luke and i just wish we would have gotten more of that so when they do have the flashback scene you know like where he's pushing all the rocks off he has more than one memory of luke um to like make him excited about getting back to luke because all the all he's seen is him be a little butthead you know not doing his chores you know <laughs> so i would like to see them have that dynamic more so i can really feel that he cares about him the way that he like now cares about leia um, yeah I think Obviously, say, does, does it not present opportunity, you think, for Star Wars to kind of open up this world and explore it a bit more? Because I, I think if you if you lean too much to the side characters and you're taken away from the main story and you're shifting the balance of it. Yeah, bit. well, I would I would like I would have like maybe like one episode. I I also don't think that they like structured the episodes in like yeah. for that. I would have liked maybe one episode classic, at the beginning where Disney Plus move as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I don't want them to set up more stuff. I, they should have just given us like one thing, like of him yeah. saving him, even if yeah. he doesn't uh, like meet him officially. He still saves him, has a memory of saving him, knows how important yeah. he is, and then you can still do the hello there at the end of the you know at the end of the show. So. Yeah. I will say one very small gripe that I would not take away points from this show for is that I hate that it busted open my theory that Alderaan is just a planet of Latinos <laughs> because I was like, it's, no, there's not no, enough brown okay. here. No, there's, there's hope, Kate. There's hope because Bale is from like another you know town area on the planet. So there's probably like a whole community of of, of Theos and Theas out o- over there because he married in. He, he took he took three. Uh, <laughs> Bray's last name, so yeah, I was a whole just, community there. I was just looking forward to the kind of Asada, and, and I'm like, yeah. no, where is it? Where like, is it? Yeah. Leia can dance, like, everything, and I, <laughs> anyway. Uh, but yes, so I, I think that this is a really good place to kind of stop for right now and really get into the meat of the series. Uh, so as a reminder, I am Kate. You can find me on Twitter at OhMyMythRandier. Aaron? Uh, you can find me at British CPA on Twitter and Instagram and in the book wider Discord because it's awesome. <laughs> CJ? I am CJ Rice Things on Twitter and in the but why though discord and you can also find my written work out in the out in the out in the internet and um, also I'm the co-host of Into the Spirecast where we talk all things Spider-Man. Adrian? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z-93. And I guess doing stuff with Aaron and Kate and all the great people on, on the podcast again soon. So go and look out for that. Yeah, this is where we say, if you did not see it on our Spotify feed, But Why Though is back in podcast form. A little different, but still here and still podcasting. So thank, if you're listening to us on the podcast or watch us on the YouTube, thank you so much. Uh, Go follow our Twitch so you can now get like the spoiler stuff next time.